Thank you, Pastor Tito. Let's give it up for Pastor Tito. I tell you what, I don't know what I would do uh, without he and Miss Anna uh, working alongside these three or the, these two, the three of us, the three amigos. Yeah, but guess what? Uh, we, uh, we get things done, and man, God does a lot of the great things uh, through us. And so thank you, Pastor Tito, for all you do with our students on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights. And uh, all of you who help uh, Pastor Tito through the week, thank you so much. And then Miss Anna, she does a great job. Hey, there's Miss Anna. She, she, knew, she knew I was talking about her. That's why she came on in. Hey, good morning. Welcome to New Life Patterson. My name is Jeremy. For those of you that might be new with us, uh, we just want to say thank you for checking us out. Thank you for being here at New Life Patterson uh, with us. Uh, before you leave, we have a gift for you. If this is your first time here, we have a gift for you. So on your way out, as you walk through those doors, you'll see a bookshelf there on your left, and you'll see some coffee mugs there on that, uh, on that bookshelf. Take one. That's our gift to you for being a guest with us here at New Life Patterson. Just a little uh, thank you to say, hey, thanks for checking this out. And we also like to say for all of those who are our guests today and do not have a home church, welcome home. All right, thank you for being here. Um, uh, yeah, we, we're doing Apricot Fiesta. It's a big thing here in Patterson. Those of you that might, that might be uh, new to the Patterson area, we've not done it for the last couple of years because of COVID, uh, but they're bringing it back this year. And those of you that weren't with us pre-COVID, um, our band took first place all right, two years ago. And so uh, I told Mike, uh, our guitar player, electric guitar player, I said, hey, you got to do at least a, a Led Zeppelin so solo or something. We got to keep our trophy, man. We can't let that trophy go. All right. So uh, the best thing to do is just to hold on to the trophy. And then if anybody tries to take it from us, all right, we just get a little violent. No, I'm just kidding. All right. I'm not that kind of a pastor. Don't go out of here saying, okay. Um, yeah, uh, thank you so much, like I said, uh, for being here. Thank you, Pastor Tito, Miss Anna, for all, for all that you do, and thank you for being here. Hey, before we get into the message, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans today, Romans chapter 3. Uh, and if you have uh, NIV, NLT, King James, whatever, we're actually going to be reading out of the message translation. We don't do this very often, uh, but the uh, the... Uh, the, the content that we're going to be talking about today kind of lends itself to the message translation, and I'll give you the why behind it. So if you don't have the message translation, you can just go to your device, go to your phone or your iPad or whatever, and just go to Bible.com, the Uversion app, which I highly encourage you should download uh, because it's an amazing resource to have. It's where I do my daily devotions is through Uversion. And so you can actually follow along as we read uh, from Romans chapter 3 today in the message translation because it's a lengthy scripture. We don't usually read as much scriptures we're going to be reading today, uh, but we, uh, we're going to be reading a lot of scripture today. And so if you want to keep up, you can follow along on your app or your iPad or whatever. But I wanted to give you an, a giving update. Um, we're going to start doing this periodically because, you know, one of, the, one of the things we say here at New Life Patterson is that we're open doors, open windows. We, we love to live a life of transparency, tastefully transparent is what I like uh, to say. And so I don't think that we give regular giving updates the way, the way that we should. So the last one that we gave was back in March. And so I wanted to give you another update uh, today. And so those of you who may be visiting with us this morning, I can promise you, talk to anyone who, who calls New Life Patterson their home. We are not about money. We're not about, you know, trying to get, you know, a giving out of people. That's not our goal. Uh, but we do believe that we should be uh, transparent and, and give a giving update periodically. So we're going to start doing that. We, did, we gave one in March. So to give you a quick update, um, back in March, we, we gave you, uh, we talked about some of the... Um, 
uh, some of the situation that we were in that we had seen a 20% decline in our giving. So we're seeing a, a big uptick in our attendance, but a decline in our giving. And we know that there's a lot of things uh, that play uh, uh, into that. We know that um, uh, the crisis in Crusade or, or uh, the, the, the war in Ukraine, uh, we also know that the rising uh, in inflation and gas prices and, and, and just regular living has gone up. So we know that that plays a part of that. Uh, so we just wanted to bring it to everyone's attention and say, this is where we are with our giving and this is where we want to be. And so I have good news to report that since March that a lot of people have responded to that either in a first time, either a one-time gift or become a regular giver here at the campus. And so we've seen some new givers come online. Uh, and so we want to say thank you for that. Those of you that gave a one-time gift, we want to say thank you to, to you. But also to those of you who have uh, set up maybe a reoccurring gift or that you have said, you know what? New Life Patterson is my home. I'm here, I'm settled, I'm serving, I'm gonna begin investing into what God is doing through New Life Patterson. So we just wanted to say, however you have decided to step up and to, uh, to be part of our faith family in the area of uh, outrageous generosity, Thank you, because we've made some tremendous progress over the last six weeks in, uh, because we talked about how we had to dip into our reserves uh, to, uh, to pay some of our bills. We know that that doesn't last very long. Eventually, your reserves will run out. So we've been able to not only uh, make up for some of that, but put some money back into reserves. So thank you so much for answering the call. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> So what does this mean for us when we look and say, okay, so we made some headway, but not all the way. What does that look like? Well, guess what? We're going to keep moving forward because we know that God has a plan for new life, not only Patterson, but also for Turlock. And so we're going to keep pushing forward. We've committed to being good stewards of God's money. There's some expenses that we have cut and there's other expenses that we have delayed because we want to make sure that we are operating uh, uh, and being a good steward of God's money, like I said. And so we've looked at some of those things and say, how can we live in a more healthy margin? And so uh, and we've had a couple people come up and say, Jeremy, what exactly are the expenses for this campus, for New Life Patterson. Uh, our expenses are rent, of course, this facility and our utilities and our, our uh, staff and uh, ministry supplies for our kids and for our students and things that we do throughout the week. Uh, so our, our monthly expenses are $27,000 a month. And if you say, oh man, that's a lot, that's nothing. All right, for a church, that's actually very low. The Turlock campus is about $230,000 a month. So I'll take the 27 any day, all right? Uh, but anyway, that, that's the, kind of the expenses. Last month for April, this campus brought in $10,000. So you can see that we have an outgo of 27. We had an income of 10. So you're like, okay, Jeremy, so where's the other 17? That's where the Turlock campus comes alongside and partners with us and says, we're going to carry this deficit for the Patterson campus until we can get on our feet and be self-sustaining. So the idea, those of you that may be new to the church, when you have a, a central location and start putting campuses everywhere, the idea is for those, that campus to be self-sustaining over a given amount of time. And so that's where we're going towards. Right now, we're about 37% of our budget. We, we want to be 100%. And we know that God's going to do that. We're not worried because the Turlock campus has come along said, alongside us and said, no, we planted this campus in Patterson. This is where God was directing us to do this. And we know that God is going to answer the call. So for those of you that still praying about, hey, where is God leading me in this moment? Where is God leading me in this season? Just keep praying. And we just want to let you know uh, that we are praying with you, that God will, uh, will show you exactly what he wants you to do in the area of generosity. Uh, if you're here for the first time, 
This doesn't include you. All right. We don't want to, want anyone to think that we're pressuring anybody for money. Uh, like I said, you can talk to anyone here at New Life Patterson. And they will let you know that we rarely, rarely talk about money. This is, uh, you know, and this is another thing that we say around here that God never, uh, God never chose a very select few people to carry everything. He's calling all of us just to do our part. And it's that simple. And we also like to say that God never, it's not what God wants from us. It's what God wants for us. Because God's not after our money. God's after our heart. God's after our surrender. God's after our trust. And one of those is in the area of do we really trust God with our finances? And so I wanted to give you that update. So thank you so much for those of you that stepped up and said, you know what? I already give, but I'm going to increase my giving or I've never given. And I want to start being a faithful giver because you truly are loving people one step closer to Jesus. If you're here throughout the, throughout the week, you will see uh, how our students are growing, how our kids are, are growing over there. And so there's a lot of things that our, that our financial generosity goes towards. And so you are making a difference. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So I wanted to give you that update. I'll give you another update. Probably around the summertime, we'll wait about every quarter to give an update. But I wanna be transparent and let you know this is where we are, this is where we're going. And also just to say thank you, those of you uh, who are making a difference. So Romans. Chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 9 through 24, okay, in the message translation. But before we get there, I don't know about you, but I'm on social media and I've seen a lot of articles come across my feed lately uh, with headlines like 30 products that will organize your home, all right? And you know, none of them work, all right, because they don't know our habits, you know, behind the scenes, or 15 products that will clean like a miracle. And we see those and we think, oh man, that's what I need. That's the product I need that's going to that's gonna fix all the messiness of my life. This is going to totally fix my life if I just have this one product. And we watch those shows on, on TV and the houses, they look spotless and they look amazing. They look organized. But we notice there's not even a TV in the living room. That's not a real house. We know that people don't live like that, right? But in spite of how hard we work, in spite of how hard we organize and clean to make our lives presentable, there's always that drawer. All right, you know exactly the drawer that I'm talking about. What do we call it? The junk drawer, because we all have that drawer. Probably, most likely, it's in the kitchen, and it's filled with pens and screwdrivers and all your dad's tools and ketchup packets and Post-it notes. And there's things you pull out of there, and you're like, I don't know what this is or when it got in here, but I don't want to throw it away. Because I know as soon as I do, somebody in the house is going to say, do you know where that bag of wherever, whatever it is that you've stuffed in there? And then you always have people coming over in the house and they're going through all your drawers and they're looking for the silverware. And you say, do not open that drawer. Because if you open it, we may not get it shut again. So please, the silverware is over here. So don't start opening drawers. But it's the messy drawer. It's the junk drawer. Maybe for you, it's a messy closet. Maybe for you, it's a, uh, a messy room, messy glove compartment box in your vehicle. Maybe it's your whole back seat. Maybe it's your whole car. You look back. People always say, oh, my, uh, you know, my, my mind is so scattered. I just feel like everything's out of control. I always say, what's the back seat of your car look like? You show me the back seat of your car, sometimes I can show you the way people's minds are set. We want to present something together and something organized and something perfect for people around us to see. But it's really a false front. Really, it's a false self. 
It's an image that we want people to see, but underneath all of that are places that are pretty messy, that are pretty broken. We do it on social media all the time. We show the best pictures of when we get just the right angle, right? And we never show the picture of us taking a picture down here. It's always as high as we can because the higher we go, the thinner that we look. It's when our kids win an award or we just get back from, or, or pictures that we took uh, at Disneyland. We just went to Disneyland uh, this past week, and I noticed that everyone was doing their selfies at the beginning of the day. Because at the end of the day, when mom's makeup is running and her hair's messed up, and the guy looks like he fought 10 guys, some of the rides throughout, no one takes those pictures. When we make the perfect meal, because we see something on, on Instagram, we're like, oh, that looks so good. And then we make it, and like, mine does not look like that. Like the, the picture, what did I do wrong? We love showing the highlight reels of our lives. What happens is we get put in that comparison trap and we begin feeling bad about our lives because our lives don't look like their lives. And what we forget is that that's not what they really look like either. We don't put our pictures up when we've had a crummy day or when our kids are having a meltdown. We don't put that picture on. We don't put the picture of us having the, an argument with our spouse. We put it with our cheeks together. Oh, look, we're such a happy couple. And everybody's like, oh, goals. Hashtag relationship goals. They don't know about the fight you got in before the, before the picture or even after, after the picture. We, know we don't show the picture of the D plus that we got going, yay me. At least I passed. No, we show our good side. We show our put together side, don't we? And don't even get me started about church. All right, we get cleaned up. We straighten up our attitudes. We clean up our language at least for one hour to come to church. We put a smile on. You know, they, we don't take pictures. You know, we, do, we get all, all, all the yelling at our kids in the car before we get out. And then we walk up with our Bible. And we're so blessed to be there, right? But we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Or even when we leave the parking lot and we're in the car and we're tired, hungry, and angry. We're tangry. We got all three of those together. And you get stuck behind the guy at the red light. And as soon as it turns green, he actually doesn't take off 0.2 seconds after it turns green. And now we're laying on the horn. And we're like... Pastor Tito, just go, go. You've waited there long enough and I'm hungry. I think I got everybody in that, in, in that intro, right? I know I got myself a lot. And I don't say that to make us all feel guilty, make us all feel ashamed. I say all of that to remind us all that we are all on this journey of faith. And it is messy, if we're being honest. It's truthfully messy. The description that Pastor Dave and I wrote for this series is this. Are you imperfect, flawed, messy, and unfinished? Then welcome to the club. You can be a follower of Jesus. Come experience God's amazing love for imperfect people. And I need to confess something to you that even though I'm a pastor, and even though that I do truly think about Jesus throughout the day as often as I can, that my walk with Jesus is sometimes not straight. I have highs and I have lows, just like anyone else. I have times of courageous boldness and courageous belief. And then I have also times of doubt. I have times of insecurity. In a nutshell, I'm messy and you're messy. Depending on our religious background, we all bring a certain picture of what deep faith really looks like. Is it praying all the time? 
Is it reading the Bible all the time? Is it never getting upset? Is it always managing my emotions and being in control of the way I'm feeling and always having worship music playing in the background? (laughs) Why don't we just add faster than a speeding bullet, carrying Thor's hammer, spinning spider webs? And I know that sounds a little silly and dramatic, but we tend to live our lives as though a growing faith is like being a superhero. And I'll never be that. I hope you've never expected me as your pastor to be a superhero because I'm going to let you down a lot. (laughs) So if we don't fit that definition of faith, where does that leave us? What about the rest of us who have been beaten up and bruised in the battles of our life? What What about folks who have been divorced or has children that make bad choice after bad choice after bad choice? What about the person who so desperately wants to walk in a consistent relationship with Jesus, but seems to slip up every single day. What about, what about those people? Can the daily messy journey of your life really be pleasing to God? Yes, it can. How do I know that? It's simple. Because you and me and every bit of our daily faith is exactly the reason why Jesus found himself at odds with the perfect religious people of his day. Because Jesus was able, was, was able to, to clearly see through all the smoke in the mirrors of their lives, of all the religious people. And he sees through the smoke and mirrors of our lives too. The shocking implication of Jesus and his teaching and his ministry is this. Anyone, absolutely anyone can join him in this journey of faith. And I think this definition of faith is even better. Faith is not a formula. Faith is not a resume. Faith is not a spiritual interview. It is a relationship. Faith is not about competency. It's about intimacy. Faith is not about perfection. It's about connection. Faith is not about being fixed. It is about God being present in the mess of our unfixedness. I want to read to you what the Bible says in in Romans chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 9. And I'm going to read this, like I said, out of the message translation because it has a tendency to be very raw, very conversational. And some of this may be kind of shocking (laughs) and comforting all at the same time. So just to set it up, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Jews and, uh, and the law that was given through Moses to the heritage of the Jewish people uh, what, that they were giving thousands of years before. Okay, but listen to what the Apostle Paul writes, starting in verse 9. So where does that put us? Do we Jews get a better break than the others? Not really. Basically, all of us, whether insiders or outsiders, start out in identical conditions, which is to say that we all start out as sinners. Scripture leaves no doubt about it. There's nobody living right, not even, not even one, nobody who knows the score, nobody alert for God. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all wandered down blind alleys. No one's living right. I can't find a single one. Their throats are gaping graves. Their tongues slick as mudslides. Every word they speak is tinged with poison. They open their mouths and pollute the air. They race for the honor of sinner of the year. Litter the land with heartbreak and ruin. Don't know the first thing about living with others. They never give God the time of day. This makes it clear, doesn't it? That whoever is written in these scriptures is not what God says about others, but to us to whom these scriptures were addressed in the first place. And it's clear, isn't it? That we're sinners, every one of us in the same sinking boat with everybody else. 
Our involvement with God's revelation doesn't put us right with God. What it does is force us to face our complicity in everyone else's sin. But in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years have happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record of sinners, both us and them, and proved that we were utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he puts us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wants us to be, and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. Translation, we are all in the same boat. Faith is not a straight line. Faith is crooked and it's messy and it's sometimes two step forwards and one step back. That's the journey. And Jesus is with us every step of the way, right in the middle of our messiness. That's the good news. So write this down for number one. This is your first fill-in for the weekend and for the entire series. It's this. I'm in good company with my mess. <laughs> I'm in good company with my mess. Any look at Scripture shows a long list of people whose mess collided with this myth of perfection. I've got friends in low places. Oh, that was sung in the Bible way before Garth Brooks ever did it. All right. Listen to some of this. Moses was a murderer. Jacob was a liar and a deceiver and a thief. Rahab was a prostitute. Gideon was a coward. David had an affair and then murdered the husband of the wife he had an affair with and then schemed and lied about it. Peter denied Jesus. Paul was a persecutor of Christ's followers. There's a book in the New Testament called Hebrews. We're kind of unsure who the writer is, but chapter 11 of Hebrews is often called the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. It lists most of the people that we just talked about. All these people who are flawed and imperfect, just like you and I. Hebrews 11 tells that of some of their stories and how God used them. And it's really an inspiring read. If you ever start to feel bad about yourself, go read uh, Hebrews 11 and, and look at some of their stories. Towards the end of it, though, it lists more and more who walk this messy journey of faith. And the author writes this in verses 32 and 34. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith. Their weakness was turned to strength. Their weakness was turned to strength by having faith in God. A messed up, failed and tried again, personal issues, insecurities, imperfect faith, used and fueled by a God who loved them in spite of their mess. And in spite of your mess, and in spite of my mess, God still wants to use us. You and I are in good company. Here's your second fill-in for the weekend. Jesus invites me to stop pretending. He invites me to stop pretending. When the real us meets the real Jesus, there's no room for pretending. There's no room for posing. We keep trying to prop up on a false self when Jesus already loves the real you. You don't have to pretend to be anybody when you are confronted with Jesus. He just wants you to be you because, after all, he knows the real you anyway. So who do we think we're fooling? What's real in, in, in us and below the surface, that's exactly who Jesus sees when he looks at us. 
Go back to Romans 3 again. I'm going to read the terrible, awful reality of my sin. I'm going to pull some of these uh, verses that, that, out that we just read because it shows you that we can pretend, that we can pose, but the actual damage, the actual carnage of my sin causes us to have to come face to face with it. Listen to the story of me and see if this applies to you. Romans 3, 10 through 18. There's nobody living right, not even one. No one who, nobody who knows the score, nobody alert for God. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all wandered down blind alleys. No one's living right. I can't find a single one. Their throats are gaping graves. Their tongues slick as mudslides. Every word they speak is tinged with poison. They open their mouths and pollute the air. They race for the honor of sinner of the year, litter the land with heartbreak and ruin. Don't know the first thing about living with others. They never give God the time of day. But then we read the rest of that passage. And we know that that's not the end. That's not the end of the story. There's hope through this. Because God knows this about me. God knows that I'm messy. God knows that I'm flawed and imperfect. And he still invites me to trust him. He still invites us to walk with him in places of healing. Because God sees the entire picture. He sees all of us. We can't hide anything. So there's an account in the Bible where, where God's people, the Jewish people back in the Old Testament, they're searching for a king. And God didn't want this. He even said, I, I don't want you to have a man as your king. I want to be your king. But the Jewish people wanted to be like the other nations around them. They wanted a man to be their king. So God gave them Saul. And then what they realized is that Saul turned out to be very selfish very paranoid. So then they began to complain to God, we want another king. We don't like this king. We want another king. And so the Lord led them to a family of a man named Jesse. And he sent the prophet Samuel there to go and choose the next king. So Jesse was really excited. He brought out all of his boys. He said, these are all of my sons. So he brought out son number one, strong, handsome, noble. But God told the, the prophet Samuel, nope, it's not the guy. Son by son by son, they go down the line. Nope, not the one. Nope, not the one. Nope, not the one. And Samuel finally said, do you have any more sons? Nope, I'm all out. That's all, that's all I've got. Well, I do have little David, like 13, 14 years old at the time. He's out in the field. He's watching sheep, but he really doesn't matter. He's definitely not the one that you're looking for. And here's what God told the prophet. 1 Samuel 16, 7, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I love that. We keep waiting. We keep wanting to make the outside, the outside image look good so much that we, so much that we, we believe that that's the, what's most important. We keep pretending and posturing to build our own self-esteem in our own eyes and in the eyes of those around us. But there is strength and there is healing and there is life in being authentic. All of those things in being true to who God is making us. As messy as our relationship with him might be sometimes. The authentic and the real is who God is looking for. Sadly, in most churches, there exists this unwritten rule. Pretend. Fake it till you make it. Pretend that God is in control, even when you don't believe he is. 
Pretend that everything is great with your life even when it's not. Pretend that you care when you don't. Pretend you've got great kids and a great marriage when your family is just as dysfunctional as the rest of us. But here's the pullback curtain reality. Every family is dysfunctional. And if you're here this morning, you say, there's no dysfunction in my family. You're the dysfunction. (laughs) You're the one that they all talk about. There's dysfunction in every family in some area of our lives. And Jesus is inviting us into a life of honesty and the life of transparency to be loved and accepted for who we are in the midst of our mess. He is with us in the mess. He's with us in the journey. He's with us in the process. And he's calling us to push fear to the sidelines and embrace the unconditional grace and love and approval that he has for you. Let me ask you a question. Pastor Dave, I heard Pastor Dave say this one time when I first got here about five years ago on staff. And man, it just really hit me because I've never really said and imagined this. But he asks this question often. Imagine Jesus smiling at you. Have you ever imagined Jesus just smiling at you? Whatever, you? whatever you picture Jesus to look like. Have you ever pictured him just looking at you and smiling at you? Because I think we, a lot of times we think of an angry God instead of a smiling Jesus. Did you know that Jesus smiles at you? Did you know that Jesus actually delights in you? That he takes joy in you being his children? He loves it. In Psalm 18, King David wrote this. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me. Why? Because he delights in me. And then he wrote this again in 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 chapter 37, verses 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. The truth is it is easier to pretend and hide behind the false self than it is to face the real me. It's easier for all of us. Sometimes I get so good at it. And sometimes maybe you get so good at hiding behind the fake you that you don't even realize you're doing it. That you actually believe the fake you is the real you. We can... Can we day by day take one step closer to Jesus and really invite his delight into our lives? Can we really trust his love? Can we really trust his kindness? My journey with Jesus takes a step forward. When I trust him, every time you trust Jesus in something, you take one step closer to him. Did you know that? Every time you trust Jesus in whatever situation you're going through, you take one step closer to him. Here's your final fill-in for the weekend. Jesus invites me into a journey of faith. Real faith is not about being finished. Real faith is not about being perfect. It's about trusting God in our unfinishedness. That means we are always, always, always under construction. Have you ever lived in a house that you're remodeling? It is a nightmare. Have you ever, I, I, I just, I think about the house that we bought when we, when we moved here uh, that, we, uh, that we bought a couple of years ago and we had to replace the carpet. So we pulled the carpet out. We had to redo the floors and repaint the whole thing. There's other things that we had to do. And we were trying to move things in as we were remodeling the house. And it was a nightmare. I think about this building. I wanted to go ahead and have services in here like from day one, even under construction, but we would have been fined and probably arrested for that. But 
It is a nightmare. If you've ever worked in an office where they say, hey, we're going to be remodeling your office. So there's going to be plastic and there's going to be just stuff you have to jump over every day. It is a nightmare to live around something that's being under construction. Did you know that your spiritual life is under construction all the time? But we reject that. We don't like it because it's painful. I don't want any rebuilding going on in here. But God's like, no, you are constantly under construction because I'm constantly molding you into who I want you to be. It is a mess. But we desire for finished. All right? I love vacuuming. I know it's weird. It's therapy for me. But I love to see something. I love to see the beginning and the end. And it doesn't take very long. And it looks so much different. Because I like to see a finished project. But here's what I learned. Let me let you in on a little secret when it comes to being under construction and not being patient. Because being under construction is a patient, stretching, tension-producing, messy experience. But look what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. That means you are under construction until Jesus comes. And that's okay. We're told that this verse, that we're on this imperfect journey, and that this imperfect journey is a day-by-day process with all the messiness until Jesus returns. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to be ashamed that you're unfinished. You don't have to be ashamed of where you currently are in your relationship with Jesus, as long as you're willing to take a step forward. The journey is always moving towards Jesus. So there's a few times in the Bible when someone came up to Jesus with a need. Maybe it was for healing or for restoration or for help. And Jesus would always ask them, what do you want me to do? What is it that you want from me? Now, kind of, it seems obvious, right? The blind person would say, well, I'm blind and I want to see. Or the lame person could say, I'm lame and I want to walk. Or I'm sick and I want to be cured because I have this disease. So you would think that Jesus would understand that. But if you look at the context of Jesus asking them this question, what is it you want from me? He wasn't asking because he didn't know. He was asking because he wanted to speak to their desire. That's a key word, their desire. He wanted to speak about their brokenness. He wanted them to articulate to him what their need was. What did they really want? I want to be healed. I want to walk. I want to talk. I want to whatever their need was. Jesus wanted them to articulate their desire. Because he wasn't looking at the outward appearance. Remember, he was looking at their heart. So what is it that you want? What do you want from Jesus? Have you told him? Have you said, Jesus, this is what I want? If you go to Jesus with a need and Jesus is saying, what do you want from me? Have you told him? Do you want a new life? Just remember, everything doesn't have to be fixed. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. Everything doesn't have to be dialed in in order to, for you to approach Jesus. He is not looking for that. Jesus wants you to come to him broken and messy and imperfect and say, this is what I want. Listen to what Paul writes. Right after the, the Romans 3 passage, listen to what he writes in Romans 4. 
This is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and his way and then simply embracing him and what he does. God's promise arrives as a pure gift, then simply embracing him and what he does. That's faith, perfect or rather imperfect and messy. Having Jesus meet my messy faith is the unsettling recognition that I don't, <laughs> that I don't do holy living very well. I try, but I don't do a very good job at it. I don't read as much as I should. I don't pray as long as I should. I'm not witnessing as much as I should to try to get other people to become followers of Jesus. But look at who Jesus responded to in the Bible. These are people who are desperately trying to get in touch with him. They were interrupting him. They touched him. They busted through ceilings to get to him. And Jesus saw them and he saw their desire. He didn't look at them and say, well, you're not reading the Bible long enough. You know why? The Bible didn't exist back then. You're not praying long enough. They didn't know who to pray to. Jesus saw their desire, just like the thief on the cross when he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus didn't look over and say, well, you didn't pray enough. You didn't read enough. You didn't tell enough people about me. He didn't. There wasn't a checklist that the thief on the cross had to go through. He looked over and saw what? His desire. And that's what saved him. The fact that he knew that Jesus was who he said he was. So where do you go with your messy imperfect life, your messy, imperfect faith. Do we just try it on our own over and over and over? That's the definition of insanity, trying to do it on our own. Or do we simply run to Jesus? He's inviting us into a journey with him to learn to trust him, to find healing with him, to be whole. It's not linear. It's two steps forward sometimes and one step back. And sometimes let me just kind of take your defenses down. Sometimes it is zero steps forward and one step back. And you're like, I didn't grow at all. I don't feel like I've grown at all, Jeremy. Guess what? Just acknowledging that is one step forward and saying, I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus in my life. I need his grace. I need his mercy and I need to walk with him. Don't try to have all the checks all the boxes checked before you approach Jesus. He wants you exactly the way you are. Don't worry about changing. God will change you. Let him do the changing. Just come to him because your life is a mess. My life is a mess. We're all messy. I'm excited about the next few weeks as we dive into messy faith. Will you bow your heads? Father, thank you so much for accepting us as messy and imperfect people. Lord, you accept us exactly the way that we are, Lord, and you challenge us and push us to not stay the way that we came. You challenge us and push us to change. You challenge us and push us to accept the invitation that you've rolled out to us and given us to draw close to you. Father, the first thing that we need to do is acknowledge, Lord, that we are imperfect, that we are messy, and that you accept us in our messy faith. But Lord, at the end of the day, we call you Savior. We call you Lord. We call you King. And it's not because of what we do that draws us closer to you. 
It's because of what you did. Dying on the cross, raising from the grave, and then drawing us into a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. If you will, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to do one more exercise. Since I have everyone's attention, everyone's eyes are closed and your heads are bowed. Whatever, however you envision Jesus, I want you to envision him looking at you and smiling. Smiling right at you. And then imagine him saying these words. I see you. I know you. And I love you. And I want you to take that image of him smiling at you after he's just said that. And in your heart, as you leave here and you have some alone time with Jesus, imagine Jesus saying with a smile on his face, what do you want me to do? And then bring your prayers, bring your requests to Jesus and watch what he does in your life. Thank you, Father, that you hear us, that you're the creator of the universe, but also you are the lover of our very soul. Thank you, Jesus. As we go our separate ways, Father, go with us. And this week, I pray that everyone in this room will take one step closer to you in their faith journey. As messy as we are, you love us anyway. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for being here this morning. Don't forget all the announcements that we made at the beginning of the week. I uh, also want to just remind you uh, that, that last Tuesday that Miss Roxanne and, and uh, Lisa had their first women's Bible study. Huge success. Thank you, Roxanne, for leading that. They had a lot of women that were here. So if you're available Tuesday mornings at 930, ladies, uh, they have that right here uh, in, the, in the, the kids' area over there. And the guys meet at 630. So if you're a, if you're a dude and uh, you want to... Uh, study the Bible. We're in the book of James. We meet every Tuesday morning at 630 just for 45 minutes. That way you can get off to work and the ladies do the same, even though I think they talked a lot longer than we could. The guys, guys are done. At 715, we're like done, but I think they want to hang around and talk. But uh, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget, if you're a guest, we have a gift for you before you go. Also, if you came prepared to give, we have giving stations located at our exits. And we just want to say to you that there's a lot of great things happening here at New Life. We want you to keep coming back. Bring somebody with you next week. Next week is Mother's Day. All right, don't forget, you better get your mama something. All right, you're going to be in trouble. All right, love you guys. See you later.